Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Thank you so much for joining us here and letting us be part of your day today. Mike Adams, he is out today. I am Jesse Allen uh, filling in for Mike here on AOA, and I really appreciate uh, Mike giving me the opportunity to sit in here on the show today as uh, we have a lot to talk about in the world of agriculture. And uh, big thanks uh, to Mike for letting me sit in. For me, it's... uh, it's fun to get to do something like this. Uh, I've never really had the opportunity to uh, host a show like this before. It's always been uh, kind of a dream in the uh, in the back of my mind and one of those bucket list goals. So I'm happy and uh, very excited to be part of the show and part of the AOA family here today. And uh, I look forward to uh, a very stacked lineup on the show. And I'm looking forward to bringing you a, a lot of information here today. Uh, as we work through our hour of AOA. Coming up here uh, later on in the show, we're going to talk about uh, the cost of production as we move into 2022. Uh, A lot of uh, changes could be had there with cost of production and more and some thoughts as we look at projections there. We'll talk with Chris Barron of AgView Solutions. That is coming up later on in the show. Also, African swine fever worries. Uh, That's something that we're keeping a close eye on as that has been confirmed, that disease in the Dominican Republic, which a little close to home here. So uh, U.S. producers and uh, experts paying close attention to African swine fever right now. And uh, we'll be talking with Dr. Paul Sundberg with the Swine Health Information Center coming up here in just a little bit. Also going to talk markets uh, with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Analyst with Stone X. We're going to talk to Arlen coming up here a little bit later on in the hour as we get a look at where the market trade is at as we wrap up the month of July and head into the month of August. First up here on the show today, we look back at this week's Spring Wheat and Durham Tour across North Dakota with the Wheat Quality Council. We've been hearing a lot of stories about that spring wheat crop and the troubles it's been having with drought and wondering what the condition of that crop is. Pleased to have on the phone with us today, Dave Green with the Wheat Quality Council joining us here on AOA. Dave, appreciate you joining us here on the show today. My pleasure. Well, Dave, uh, the Spring Wheat Tour, I know you guys wrapping that up here this week, and we've heard a lot of the stories the last few weeks about how much trouble that spring wheat crop is in across the northern plains, the Canadian prairies, and we've been hearing the reports uh, from you and your team here this week just about what you're seeing, and now that we're wrapping up this tour, I just love your thoughts. Uh, What is the shape of that spring wheat crop? Is it as bad as uh, we've been fearing? I guess the short answer is that I was kind of shocked by by how bad it was, particularly in the, the center part of the state. Um, we had seen that there was a red blotch on that Palmer drought index, and, and people had told us that obviously it hadn't rained in most of the state for a long time. But, you know, so coming in, you still see it with your eyes, and it, and it does shock you a little bit to just see just what, you know, no rainfall can do. And that's kind of what we saw. Now, as far as surprised or caught off guard or, or whether it's better than I thought or worse. I, I, I don't know. I, I think overall I was kind of, I thought the, the, the story of this crop tour was there was the millers and, and end users were very concerned going to this crop tour that not only would we have a little crop, but a little low yielding crop, but that it would have quality issues, that, that the heat would have shriveled the kernels. And we'd have had, you know, not enough endosperm and tough to mill and tough to blend. And I, I, I was pleasantly surprised, and I know there was a lot of relief from everybody to see that that doesn't seem to be the case. It looks like the, the weak kernels that are there, as small as they are, are filling and not shriveling. And I, I suspect we're going to end up with a, with a low-yielding, very high-quality crop. Well, I know some of the yields that uh, your team sent out during the week, uh, I know some of those uh, bad areas that you alluded to, we were seeing yield estimates in the 20s uh, range. Some other estimates were in the 40s. Talk about what you heard from your team in maybe some good areas of North Dakota where you saw some of that high-quality wheat. What did that look like, Dave? You know, it almost looked, you know, the the picture that was described was almost like uh, if you you could, 
if you put a picture frame around North Dakota, you know, maybe that first county around the outside of the entire uh, state or, or maybe even two counties in uh, looks to be pretty decent. You know, not, not average, uh, not above average, you know, something less than average, but, you know, normal-ish looking drier season kind of crops. I mean, you know, to your point, in the 40s, say. Um, as you get, got off of that and moved towards the center of the state or towards the river, uh, we got into areas where, you know, it, it got exceptionally poor. And then in between those then, you know, were areas that had gotten a shower and didn't or missed a shower and, you know, and, you know, highly variable in some of that transition ground between the real and, and those, those border areas. Now, Dave, we've heard a lot of chatter on, on social media and, and heard from folks in the last few weeks that they've been comparing this crop to 1988, which we know was just a terrible year. Would you say it's on that level, or is it better than what we saw no, back in 1988? No, no, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would have been one of those that, that I saw that as an analog year, and, you know, when you started looking at crop conditions that are reported, you know, it was... You know, the percent good to excellent was so low, and, and that was a matching year. But just looking at that crop year with, you know, 20-some percent uh, abandonment and a 15-bushel yield average, there's no way this crop could get to that level. Well, that's definitely good news to hear. And, you know, just uh, overall here, Dave, uh, obviously looking at uh, issues uh, with the crop, and we continue to see... Uh, moving forward, how that's going to translate into final yields and everything. But overall, it, it seems like your guys' assessment on the Wheat Quality Council Tour is that not as bad as it was made out to be, but still has its issues. Would that be probably a good assessment? Oh, yeah. And again, it all depends on what, you, what you're saying. If you were expecting to see the 1988 crop reincarnate, this, then yes. I think things were much better than than you were you were thinking it would be at the time, but uh, uh, so so yeah. From that from that aspect, if you were that negative uh, uh, to that level, then then this would have been surprisingly good. Uh, but this is this is a you know this is two thirds of a crop, you know half a crop in most of those areas, two thirds of a crop in other areas. So so this it's it's not good. Dave, uh, I appreciate your time here today. Any final thoughts uh, you want to mention for us here before we run out of time? No, it was uh, it was a good tour. We covered a lot of ground. We think we did the right. Uh, uh, we think we stopped enough with uh, a limited number of people to to get uh, enough results that would uh, be meaningful. And uh, we'll see how the government thinks we did here in uh, in a few weeks. We will definitely see that, and we appreciate you and your team's hard work. That's Dave Green with the Wheat Quality Council. Thanks for joining me today on AOA. I appreciate it. Thanks. Again. And again, that's Dave Green with the Wheat Quality Council joining us here today on AOA. We appreciate him taking the time to uh, talk with us about that spring wheat tour across North Dakota. And again, a lot of a uh, lot of things to consider there with that crop across uh, the northern plains, and I know uh, some of the uh, numbers coming in very uh, very below what was expected. That's for sure. Coming up next, we're going to talk African swine fever. We'll do that with Dr. Paul Sunberg with the Swine Health Information Center. We get discovering that disease in the Dominican Republic. We'll get the latest on that and more. That's coming up next. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Are you heading to NCBA in Nashville? The National Corn Growers has a great lineup for you on Wednesday, August 11th. Mike Adams will be broadcasting live at 9 a.m. from the U.S. Meat Export Federation booth on behalf of the National Corn Growers Association. At 12.30 in the Learning Lounge, NCGA will host a panel discussion with U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef and the U.S. Meat Export Federation as they discuss the partnerships between corn and cattle. We'll see you in Nashville. 
Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with Vapor Grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Channel Seedsmen don't just sell soybean seed. You can trust them to understand your fields and place Channel Soybean products to perform. With the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, including triple-stacked Channel Extend Flex soybeans, you can be confident you're getting the excellent weed control you want and high-yield potential you need to make the most of the season. Find a Seedsman in your area for recommendations for your fields. Check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front-row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too. Through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back to AOA. Jesse Allen in for Mike Adams. We're talking African swine fever here today. Some new worries about that disease around the globe. Joining us, Dr. Paul Sundberg with the Swine Health Information Center. Dr. Sundberg, great to have you on today. Thanks for joining me. It's good to be with you, Jesse. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, we got uh, quite a few things to talk about, Dr. Sundberg, and I think the biggest one, African swine fever. We've been following this. We've been hearing a lot about it, and I know just uh, getting it confirmed in the Dominican Republic. Uh, so getting a little closer to home, a little closer to the U.S. Talk about um, maybe just that news first, since that's really fresh news. Sure, that's, uh, that is something that's high interest right now, because that's the first time in 40 years that African swine fever has been found in the Western Hemisphere, in the Americas. It was found in in a couple of small farms in the Dominican Republic that are separated by uh, multiple miles. So they're not, they're not neighboring farms. It's not just one focused infection. It's an, a couple of infections in different areas. They were found because of a cooperative uh, surveillance program that USDA has with the Dominican Republic. And there have been some swine health issues down there for maybe the last month. Um, tests have come back negative, is my understanding. This is the first time they've found them uh, to be positive. And so there's been a lot of activity related to that. Well, and I know as well, on top of this and uh, seeing it in the Dominican Republic getting a little closer to the U.S. And we could talk more about our preparedness here in a little bit, but also China has been a big issue. And we've been hearing uh, varying reports, I would say, about issues in China. Once again, we're hearing about it in Germany and Europe again. Uh, talk about some of the latest that you're se- are hearing and seeing with some of those major outbreaks, especially in Asia and Europe. Well, they're still trying to be managed. Let's start with Asia, for example. Uh, in Asia and Southeast Asia, those outbreaks are still trying to be managed. There are successes, 
and there are failures. And, and anytime you put a population of susceptible animals in with a virus like ASF in trying to repopulate herds, you're going to have those successes and failures. High biosecurity farms are having more success, but um, there are still some failures in those as well. So it's a work in progress. Um, the, in Asia, there is uh, a variety of different illegal, uh, not approved maybe is the best word, not approved vaccines that are being used to just try to stop production losses. Those vaccines may be contributing some to the outbreak, may be contributing some to the low level of infections. And so that's another issue. There's a lot of things going on in Asia that um, we're learning a lot of lessons from. Europe, that's also a spot where we're learning a lot of lessons, especially about the interaction between feral pigs and domestic production. Um, Germany just reported their first infection in commercial pigs, but those commercial pigs also were um, outdoor housed. They were small holdings. They were outdoor housed. And most probably, although there isn't any record of it, they very well may have had uh, contact with infected feral pigs. So those are the kinds of things that we in the U.S. and in North America are watching, learning lessons about uh, preparedness, prevention, response. When you talk about learning those lessons and the preparedness, and I know as well, a lot of research has been uh, done with the Swine Health Information Center. I know uh, Vietnam is an area where you've been working uh, pretty tirelessly with research to look at African swine fever. Maybe just talk about how that in general is uh, getting us prepared for a potential outbreak here in the U.S. if it does happen. We don't want it to happen, obviously, yeah. but if it does happen. Yeah, if it does happen. Here's the thing. We got a, a grant from the USDA uh, Foreign Ag Service, and that enabled us to do this research in Vietnam where the African swine fever is an active infection. And we're taking then that research from, that we know from laboratories, we're taking that out into the field and testing it out in the field in Vietnam. Um, and so the types of things that we're doing there are in preparation for the what ifs. We're looking at pathways of entries onto the farm. We're looking at the ability to use a pen side test um, to detect ASF, the ability to remove animals right away from a barn that may become infected to see if you can save the rest of the barn. We're looking at uh, tests for antibodies. All of these kinds of things are all um, in preparation for the what if and looking down the road at uh, potential um, uh, outbreak in the U.S. and tools that we may need to use, um, as well as if it becomes endemic, if we have a, a widespread outbreak in the U.S. and we have to go into eradication, um, that eradication program is going to need some new tools. So this is looking over the hill and into the future of what we might need uh, as we go. It will take some USDA policy changes, because right now USDA policy, which is appropriate, is if we find the infection, we're going to remove the pigs, we're going to remove everything. This is a question of, but if we get past that point, what other tools may we have to use? And we had that, that opportunity with this um, grant in Vietnam. How much concern is out there among experts and farmers here in the U.S. right now about a potential outbreak? You know, we continue to hear the worries in China and Europe and now in the Dominican Republic, and one has to wonder, okay, What's it going to take to bring it here? And like I said, we don't want it to happen, but what, what's the worry level right now across the country, in your opinion? Oh, well, um, that's uh, the first thing on anybody's mind. If you talk about what's the swine health, what's the major swine health issue we have right now? It is the potential for an African swine fever outbreak. There's PERS and, and endemic diseases, but this potential for an ASF outbreak is going to stop our trade. It's going to stop the markets, and that's going to be a, a devastating thing to the industry. So certainly that's on top of everybody's mind. This movement into the DR is a really important thing in that it's a geographical association now. It's moving around the world. It's getting closer to us. Um, USDA has put into place with the Department of Homeland Security increased inspections, the CBP, the Customs and Border Protection, uh, and their Beagle patrols and all of the inspections 
are, are heightened on the East Coast and in areas where we might have something from the Dominican Republic. The DR has had um, a classical swine fever for a long time. So there's no products coming from the Dominican Republic into the U.S. because of CSF infections anyway, and no legal products. But we want to keep those illegal ones out. And that's the main concern for U.S. pork producers and U.S. pork industry. Protect our borders. Pre prevention is the number one thing. Sure, we have to be ready for response and recovery. But um, response and recovery means that we failed at prevention. And we don't want to fail at that. We definitely don't want to fail at that. Dr. Sunberg, I know you mentioned as well PERS and some other diseases, and we had some rumors about maybe some PERS outbreaks earlier this year in the U.S. Uh, any thoughts on that as we shift gears a little bit from African swine fever, just maybe some thoughts on some other diseases that we have heard here in the U.S. that have been prevalent? Sure. Uh, a hot topic has been PERS um, the 144 strain of PERS, and specifically what is called the Line 1C. So there are 144 infections around the country. We've got PERS endemic. There's a lot of PERS around the country. But this Line 1C is an upper Midwest infection that is especially virulent and especially troublesome. Um, a lot of losses in production and, and in sows as well as market pigs. Um, so that's been a hot topic. And we've run into a couple of different uh, outbreaks. Um, we had a peak last, late last fall, early winter in November, December in the upper Midwest. We had another one in March and April and into May in the upper Midwest. Same spot, different peak, same spot. So um, that's gotten a lot of attention. One of the things that we've done with the center is we've engaged the, what we call rapid response teams. And those are folks, epidemiologists and diagnosticians and experts that on the invitation of the producer can go out onto the farm and do an investigation of likely ways that that virus gets into the farm or any other virus, any other disease can get into the farm. It's an opportunity to help understand the movement of the virus and if you can understand that movement you can close those windows and maybe we can stop things from happening well and of course great uh, research continuing on with the swine health information center and uh, the folks on your team and all across academia and more and i know uh, that uh, you guys will continue that uh, that great research dr sunberg any final thoughts for us here real quick i'll tell you the dr issue is top of mind for everybody right now and it's a great collaboration between usda and the industry, National Pork Board, National Pork Producers Council, and American Association of Swine Veterinarians. Everybody's looking together at this thing. Everybody's working on this because we want to close every window we can close for the country and keep that virus out of here. We definitely want to do that. With that, Dr. Paul Sunberg with the Swine Health Information Center. Appreciate you joining me here today. Thanks so much for the time. Good. Thanks for the opportunity, Jesse. It's good to talk to you. That's Dr. Paul Sundberg with the Swine Health Information Center. Up next, we talk markets with Arlen Suderman of StoneX. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with Vapor Grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Any Anyone could sell you soybean seed. Channel Seedsman placed products to perform. With Channel Extend Flex Soybeans and Channel Roundup Ready to Extend Soybeans, you'll get the excellent weed control you want and the high yield potential you need. Make the most of next season with the Roundup Ready Extend crop system and expert recommendations from Channel Seedsman. Ask a seedsman in your area for recommendations for your fields. Check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Crop markets rallied higher on Thursday, led by the three wheat markets. This morning, we are seeing futures in the red for the grain and oiled seed sector. The spring wheat tour in North Dakota this week confirmed that U.S. spring wheat yield is well below normal. At the conclusion of the three-day wheat tour yesterday, the North Dakota spring wheat yield was estimated at 28.9 bushels per acre, compared to 42.6 bushels per acre in 2019 and 43.6 bushels per acre, five-year average. This morning on the Board of Trade, September corn trading a dime lower at 548, the December contract down 11 and three quarters at 544 and three quarters. August soybeans trading 19 and three quarters lower at 1414 and a half cent, the September contract down 23 and a fraction at 1362. For wheat, Chicago wheat September down seven and three quarters at 697 and a half cent, Kansas City wheat September down seven and and three quarters at six sixty six and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat September down thirteen at nine oh five and a half cent. The December contract down thirteen and three quarters at eight eighty nine and a half cent. For livestock weekly export sales were neutral, providing little way of market direction. Looking at cash cattle trade, light to moderate movement yesterday. Asking prices for cattle left on show list are around one hundred and twenty two dollars in the south and one hundred and ninety eight dollars to two hundred dollars in the north. Beef cutouts are expected to be higher with light to moderate box movement. August live cattle on the Board of Trade trading 12 cents lower at 122.37. The October contract down 40 at 127.75. Feeder cattle August up 15 at 158.65. September up 17 at 162.12. For lean hogs, August trading 10 cents higher at 106.42. October down 20 at 88.80. This is AOA. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. A good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back to AOA. Jesse Allen in for Mike Adams here today. And we thank you again for making us part of your day here today with AOA. End of the month of July, looking at the markets, we've been seeing a lot of volatility, a lot of things to talk about. And I think it's great that uh, joining us here today to talk about all of it, we have Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist with StoneX. Arlen, thanks for joining me on AOA today. How are you? Great to be back with you, and uh, yeah, quite a day in the market, certainly, uh, unfortunately, to the downside in most cases. Yeah, definitely uh, looking at an interesting day here to the downside today in Arlen. I think just starting overall, uh, it, it seems like maybe it's some technical pressure in the market today, which is not uncommon when we get to the end of a month. Um, but uh, we are down kind of hard today throughout quarter beans, and wheat's been coming back. Uh, what are you seeing Overall, here as we wrap up this uh, month of July, is it just technical pressure or is there something else underlying? Yeah, there's a lot of people in the market who think that they have to have an answer for why the market's doing something on a particular day fundamentally. And sometimes there's no fundamental reason. Um, but it is the end of the month, the end of the month book squaring. Uh, and uh, there are some technicals that uh, call for a pullback, particularly when we look at corn and soybeans. They've been trading a sideways trading range, and the highs have been getting lower, and the lows have been getting higher. So picture this uh, spiraling, converging triangle formation. Um, it's kind of like a 
spring coiling up. That's what we have. And, and that usually means that we're getting ready to really spring in one direction or the other. Which direction will be probably will be determined during the month of August as we kind of get more data on what the impact of the weather is on this year's big crop. We know the crop has problem in the western Midwest, um, but there's a lot of good stuff further to the east. How do those balance out with each other? And, and the trade really doesn't have a lot of data on that right now. And this market really thrives on that data. But we should start getting a lot more data starting with the first week in August when survey-based production estimates start coming out, various crop tours start coming out, people walking through the fields. That helps support the wheat complex this week when we saw the Wheat Quality Council's tour of, of North Dakota wheat fields. That certainly helped that market. We're pulling back today in some profit-taking end-of-the-month type of uh, action. Um, but we should start getting more data in, in corn and soybeans as we get in the month of August. But for day, today, it's just that stay within the coil. That meant going down. It's end of the month. Show some profit on your books. And so unfortunately for the producer end, that means negative returns. Well, Arlen, I'm glad you mentioned the, the data portion of that because you're absolutely right you know we got to get into the month of august to get some data in here about what we're seeing for yields and what we're seeing in the fields but you know weather has obviously been a story and a lot of folks have been kind of using that as the major headline and you know looking uh, across uh, this weekend maybe some rain chances here south dakota into parts of southwestern iowa uh, into Missouri as well, but really uh, rain chances missing out on some of those really, really dry areas once again. And also, uh, you know, looking ahead here with cooler temperatures for a week or so, but then maybe some heat returning once again. How much uh, is, is this weather story going to keep up with us here as we move into the month of August? It's going to continue to be the case. Um, there's a, the bulk of the people within the markets. I'm not talking about the people in the cash grain industry, um, but I'm talking about the money that's in the markets. Really doesn't know what a corn plant looks like, let alone how it's affected by the weather. They they see the headlines, they hear the stories, but really don't understand it. So the only thing they can really rely on is those weekly crop ratings. And right now, yes, they look at the weekly crop ratings. They see the poor results in the western midwest but they see the good results elsewhere and when you add it all up together and weight it by production by state it comes out pretty close to average for this time of year so they read that as pretty close to a national trend yield um, so we need to get into the field to really see what's happening because those weekly ratings are just subjective ratings about what does the crop look like in most cases that translates pretty well into yield. Um, I know that frustrates a lot of people to hear that, but in some years it doesn't because there are hidden factors dealing with ear size, uh, ear fill, uh, pod size, uh, pod fill that simply don't factor into how the plant looks like. And we'll be getting a lot more information on that in the weeks ahead. Arlen, I want to talk the outside markets as well. We know the stock market's been making record highs here this past week. The dollar index has been cheapening up a little bit. Uh, what are you seeing on the outside market trade and how that's affecting our ag commodities here as we move into, into the month of August? Yeah, the outside markets um, also were down today, helping create that pressure. But overall, what I'm watching are a couple of factors. One is the VIX, which is Wall Street's fear index. Uh, it normally trades between 10 and 20, although during the pandemic, we saw it go as high as, uh, as 85. And um, that was just below the record high for the VIX set back in October of 2008 during the financial crisis when it exceeded 87. Um, so anytime it gets above 30, and, uh, all assets pretty much have trouble sustaining a rally unless they have a strong fundamental story because fear is so high. Gets above 20, traders start paying attention. We're trading a little bit firmer than where we have been in recent weeks. A little bit more concerned about the economy and the rising Delta variant numbers of COVID in the United States and around the world causing the shutdowns. That's causing a little bit more fear. So that's what we watch on the VIX. On the dollar side, though, if the dollar breaks lower, that provides more evidence 
of inflationary pressures. Um, it's been holding up pretty well until this week. It started to break lower in the last couple of days, broke to uh, two months, excuse me, to one month lows. It's still holding above some key support right around 91.5. If it breaks below that, that may be seen as inflationary, which tends to make the funds want to own commodities as a hedge against that inflation. So in watching inflation data, watching the dollar, Fed policy plays into that. The weakness came this week when the Fed seemed to commit to an easy money policy for the foreseeable future. It's pumping $120 billion into money supply every month, which fundamentally long-term should cheapen the dollar. Arlen, I want to make sure we have time for livestock here as well. A little bit of pressure in cattle and hogs here today as we uh, wrap up the month. And I know on the cattle side, feedlots been holding out for higher prices on the cash trade this week and haven't really got it. We got a few maybe dollar higher trades here this week. But what are your thoughts on this cattle market as we move into the month of August? Yeah, they're looking at those deferred contracts with big premiums. You go all the way out to April. We're trading at 139 earlier in the week. We were at 140 uh, versus the cash market's been trading 119 to 120 now virtually for all summer long in the Southern Plains feedlot district. So they're trying to hold out for it. We're seeing the weight start to creep higher uh, seasonally, although a little bit later than normal. Um, but the problem is packer capacity continues to be a problem. And until we can work these numbers, get these numbers down low, or especially in the Southern Plains feedlot district, the feeder simply is not going to have the leverage. We're looking at estimated packer margins over $500 per head, uh, but the feeder is not uh, participating in that at this point. The product demand has been strong. Weekly export sales have been strong, um, but that's simply not translating back to the feeder because of those capacity problems. And over in hogs, uh, we were trying to have a good day yesterday, and then we kind of fell off late. Um, and, and looking at pressure here today, uh, what are your thoughts in this hog market? Uh, are we just are we finding some some technical pressure here? Or are we just trying to figure out what direction we want to go? What are your thoughts in the hog market, Arlen? Yeah, the August contract uh, is going to go uh, into expiration and delivery here very shortly. And so it's trading at about a $6 discount to where the cash index is right now. So the cash market's been holding up better than the futures. Opposite of the cattle, we have more of a discount than the deferred contracts with the hogs as we anticipate more slaughter capacity problems as we go into the fall particularly if COVID becomes an issue again, we start seeing some shutdowns and more importantly, maybe extension of those unemployment benefits that keep people from, from working in the processing plants. Um, so that's a real concern as the hog supplies increase seasonally into the fourth quarter going forward and kind of bearish on the, on, in the sentiment. Also China absent mostly from the export sales report for the last three weeks in a row. Overall sales are pretty decent, but that was boosted primarily by a big sale to Mexico in the latest week. Outside of that, there's not a lot out there to really excite this market. Arlen, we got just about a minute. Any final thoughts you have for us or anything you want to uh, reiterate for us here today on AOA? Well, I think the other thing is we're seeing a lot of stuff on social media about the flooding in China, and it has been significant. Thousands of hogs lost. But let's keep in mind that thousands of hogs is just a fraction of 1% of the 700 million hogs per year that they would uh, produce prior to ASF, and they're currently in a little bit of an oversupply situation. Uh, so that's not as big as what the headlines would seem to say. Uh, most of the heavy rains and flooding have been in more minor corn-producing areas, but there is some damage. It is pushing rains up into some previously dry areas of the belt, though, as well. Well, a lot of great insight, a lot of things for us to watch in this market trade and consider here. We appreciate the time, as always. Chief Commodities Economist with Stonex, Arlen Sudeman, thanks for joining me here today on AOA. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jesse. Arlen Suderman joining us here on AOA. Coming up next, we're going to talk the cost of inputs for 2022. Chris Barron with AgView Solutions joins us next here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. 
Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. I'm 54, so... Basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... (laughs) Hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah, at aceyourretirement.org retirement.org you'll chat with avo the friendly digital retirement coach just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle i like that too plus it's sponsored by aarp so you know they got your back just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement thanks that's aceyourretirement.org a message from aarp and the ad council Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Are you heading to NCBA in Nashville? The National Corn Growers has a great lineup for you on Wednesday, August 11th. Mike Adams will be broadcasting live at 9 a.m. from the U.S. Meat Export Federation booth on behalf of the National Corn Growers Association. At 12.30 in the Learning Lounge, NCGA will host a panel discussion with U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef and the U.S. Meat Export Federation as they discuss the partnerships between corn and cattle. We'll see you in Nashville. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with Vapor Grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Any 
anyone could sell you soybean seed. Channel Seedsman placed products to perform. With Channel Extend Flex Soybeans and Channel Roundup Ready to Extend Soybeans, you'll get the excellent weed control you want and the high yield potential you need. Make the most of the next season with the Roundup Ready Extend crop system and expert recommendations from Channel Seedsman. Ask a seedsman in your area for recommendations for your fields. Check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. Always read and follow grain marketing and all their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, we're talking cost of production in 2022, and we're doing that with Chris Barron of AgView Solutions joining us here today on AOA. Chris, how are you? Doing great. How are you today? Hey, Chris, I am fantastic. Thanks for joining us here on the show today. And before we get into cost of production for 2022, I know you uh, just got off a, a crop tour throughout the Northwestern Belt through Iowa, Minnesota, uh, and the Dakotas. I'm curious. What did you see on your crop tour? Is it as dry as we've been hearing from folks in that region? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So about a week ago, we actually headed north to work with clients in uh, North Dakota and then slowly worked our way back, meeting with various producers on our way back to Iowa. The drive out there was a little bit faster than the drive back as we stopped and, and met with producers on the way back through. And it was interesting because you know, you could drive 20 miles and the crop looked pretty darn good. And then you'd get into another segment where all of a sudden didn't look so good, pretty darn dry. And and then as we got out to the western part and got out towards, uh, we were actually in Steele, North Dakota, which is um, kind of in the middle part of the state. And as you go west of there, um, we have a client up in that area that actually was going to start chopping silage last week. Um, he farms a significant amount of corn acres and didn't think that he would really have hardly any of his corn acres that would make grain. So he was going to actually start chopping. And so it's, it's pretty ugly as you go West. And then as you come back to the East, as we got back towards Minnesota, Minnesota looked um, pretty dry in places. And then there were other places where it didn't look too bad. But the, the thing I would say as an observation, we stopped in a few areas and boy, when it, when you look, at the good corn at 60 mile an hour but you go out and you look at the ground the the fuel tank is empty and so we're going to need some some pretty significant rains i think in august to carry even what looks good um through to the you know to get grain actually in the bin we're a long ways from having corn in the bin i guess and the soybean side of things kind of the same thing we saw a lot of beans that were pretty darn small and and uh the leaves tipped over we, we had a lot of heat um, this last week, you know, and that, that intense heat was really starting to, to cook some things, and especially the soybeans as we get into August, if, if there's not rain in those throughout that whole zone. And then, and then we are in Northeast Iowa and we're kind of in the same thing. Our, our subsoil fuel tanks pretty well empty. The crops look good. Um, but we're going to have to have rain both for the corn. Mm-hmm. Chris Barron uh, with AgView Solutions joining us here on AOA and uh, definitely going to need that rain in Iowa, Minnesota, and the Dakotas there as we get into August, as you mentioned. Chris, I want to make sure we have time to talk about cost of production into 2022. And what are you seeing with your clients uh, with their crop budgets and, and, and whatnot here as they're getting you know, into the uh, back half of 2021 here and getting ready for 2022? What are some things we need to pay attention to? The key things that we do is is we – we work with producers, make sure that we've got all the line item expenses dialed in, first of all, for 2021, making sure that, you know, finalizing what we actually spend on seed and fertilizer, nitrogen, herbicides, and, you know, fungicides, those kind of additional things. And we get those numbers really dialed in. And basically what we do is we aggregate our client data um, as we go along. And right now what we're seeing is a pretty significant profit margin, thankfully, for the first time in a long time, you know, we're we're looking at uh, a lot of our clients are somewhere in that 470 range cash on farm uh, price. And, and it looks like we're seeing, you know, on the soybean side of things, you know, 
kind of the same type of thing. We're seeing some really good um, marketing prices, which has given most of our clients on average about a 20% return on investment, which is significantly higher than we've seen in the past few years. We've been hoping for a three to five after we, you know, pay ourselves, we look at return to management as an expense. And, you know, and that's all these overhead costs that we always talk about, you know, healthcare and utilities and all those things are part of the cost production and your owner draws and those things. And so, when we look at that, we're seeing about $160, $170 an acre average profit. And in some areas, we're seeing significantly more than that. Some of these areas where it's dry and we're counting on insurance, it's going to be quite a bit less. But either e- either way, with where the insurance will this year, 21 looks awesome. As we roll into 22, what we're seeing there is is pretty good opportunities there as well. Maybe not quite the same ROI. And I know there's a lot of concern about where the input costs are, we've seen some pretty significant percentage of price increase on nitrogen and fertilizer. But, you know, it's still when we, if, if a person's got land and machinery pretty well locked in, that's about 48, 47% of the total cost of production. And, and where these market prices are, it still makes 21 look, or excuse me, 22 look very good in terms of profit potential for 22. And so, so kind of, pretty optimistic i guess you know i know there's concern about where these price you know the inputs are going for 22 but as we put these budgets together for 22 we're we're seeing uh, opportunities for profitability there but we do have to lock some of these some of these prices in and kind of if we're locking in some of the expenses we need to start really looking at the marketing opportunities for sure Definitely. And I know uh, here real briefly, quick, Chris, we got about a minute, um, you know, looking at 2022, you mentioned a lot of those price opportunities there. They are there. It just seems like it's going to come down to individual producers managing their budgets, aren't, isn't it? Yeah, and that's exactly right. I mean, that's why you got to get your 21 numbers dialed in and then roll those numbers over. Um, we have systems that, that we offer and, and there's a lot of these systems out there. I know it's it's hard this time of year to sit down in the office and spend that time, but you really got to really got to do that. There's pretty good opportunities for some profitability in 22. And I think we really got to make sure we get those numbers dialed in to the best of our ability for sure. Definitely. Well, I know uh, if producers need a little help, they can uh, catch up with you and your team AgViewSolutions.com. That's right, Chris, ain't it? Yep, that's right. If anybody wants to get a hold of us, we also have a, a podcast called the AgView Pitch and you can check us out there, and we try to keep everybody updated on kind of what's going on with markets and business and those kind of things as well. Well, Chris, I appreciate the time for the discussion here today on AOA. Thanks so much for joining us. You bet. Great to be on. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And that's Chris Barron with AgView Solutions. That's going to do it for AOA today. I uh, really enjoyed filling in for Mike Adams. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks so much uh, for making us part of your day. Mike's back next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.